Ruth in chapter 4. Ruth in chapter 4. We'll get into the last chapter of Ruth this morning. We talked about the famine. We've talked about the field. And then we talked about the floor. And now we're in chapter 4, really the future of Ruth and, and Boaz. And of course today we'll see the exchanged purchase. And I think you'll see uh, one of the most amazing uh, negotiations, presentations, court cases, whatever you want to call it, uh, that you've ever seen. And it's amazing uh, how, how Boaz did this and, uh, and how God used him. And I think we all have lessons to learn this morning uh, from that. But before we get into all that, if, you've, if you found Ruth 4 and you're physically able to, if you could stand to your feet, uh, stretch one last time, but also uh, um, for the honor of God's word. And we'll read just the first six verses this morning. And then you can be seated after we pray. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, is such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the Hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. And thank you for the faithfulness of your dear people every Sunday. Lord, they're here and in their place to the best of their ability. Lord, if they're in town and they're not working or they're not sick or they're not out and about and doing something as a family, they're here. And I appreciate that. I thank you for the faithfulness. And, and, and I know for some it's a little bit of a drive. And uh, for others, it's, it's uh, a time uh, of opportunity to serve. And, and Lord, it's a time commitment. And, and Lord, they do it, Lord, not for, for anybody but you. And we're thankful for that. And thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for those who are serving in the nursery and the children's department, the teens, so that we can have a service in here, um, that we can focus on your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us today. May you open up our hearts. Lord, there's, there's certainly things we need to uh, learn today. May they look past the speaker and look towards your word. Lord, I, I hope I'm just a humble vessel. I know I'm, I'm but a man and frail, but with you, Lord, and your power, Lord, much can be accomplished. And I pray that your word will be as a fire this morning and as a sword, and may it pierce our hearts, and may it do what you need it to do today. I pray that you'll, Lord, use us in a great way to be with those who can't be here and are tuning in online. May they know they're loved and appreciated and cared for. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Thank you for standing. Uh, We think of Ruth and... We see a woman who kind of just happens to be at the right place at the right time and simply following the Lord. And now she has a little bit of patience. And it reminds me of a story uh, years ago of a a farm in the Midwest that was a very influential farm and very wealthy and uh, a lot of fields and a lot of crops. And and he had a huge barn that was a very important barn and uh, needed for the success of, of his business and 
And one day it caught on fire and, and the call went out to all of the fire stations in the area and come. So the little ones all the way up to the big ones and the big new fire trucks rolled in and the smaller ones come and to no avail. They couldn't seem to get this fire under control and it started attracting media attention and news people came and newscasters and, and TV uh, people came and, and the farmer was just distraught and, and upset and you could just tell and about the time where they felt like there was nothing more they could do around the corner came the smallest fire station and the smallest truck around the corner rattling in. And it came down the driveway and started flying down the driveway. And, 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 and instead of stopping, it drove right into the barn. Everybody just stopped and said, whoa, what in the world? What, what courage, what bravery. Someone would do that. And the news people started getting excited. And before long, uh, water went everywhere and the barn was saved. And a few minutes later, the truck rumbled, backed out, and the fire chief got down, and one or two guys that were with him, they were older gentlemen who had served their community well, and man, suit was all over their face, and, and they were just sweating, and, and uh, just dazed a little bit, and the farmer of the place says, I'm going to give $50,000 to that, and of course, the firefighter didn't hear, and the newspaper came around and says, hey, can we interview you? What courage, and what strength, I can't believe you'd risk it all, and drive into a big fire barn like that, I can't believe you'd do that. Did you know that the farmer said he's going to give you $50,000 for saving his barn? About that time, the old firefighter chief looked at him and, and kind of stroked his beard a little bit and says, Wow, that's awesome. Now we can get some new brakes for old Bessie. <laughs> you find a fire truck, somehow ended up in a barn. And I feel like Ruth finds herself in this situation where... She's now got to wait. Remember the story of more of a cliffhanger from last week? And what's going to happen? You know, am I going to get Mary Boaz or this near kinsman going to get me? And Boaz said he'd go and take care of it. And Naomi said he will not rest till it's done, but I have to wait. And we see what started out as three funerals in the book of Ruth will end in a wedding and a new birth. And it shows us. Psalms 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And Thomas Brooks said of this verse, God will turn their winter's night into a summer day, their sighing into singing, their grief into gladness, their mourning into music, their bitter into sweet, their wilderness into a paradise. And maybe you today, dear Christian, has a life filled with ups and downs, and maybe you too have the interchanges of sickness and health, of weakness and strength, of want and wealth, of disgrace and honor, of crosses you have to bear, and comforts that you get to enjoy. Maybe it's miseries for some, and experiencing the mercies of God's for others. Maybe it's joys, maybe it's sorrows, maybe it's myrrh, maybe it's mourning. But as Thomas Watson says, all honey would certainly harm us. And all wormwood would certainly undo us. But a composition of both is the best way in the world to keep our souls in a healthy condition. And with honey comes wormwood. But with wormwood also comes honey. And it keeps us relying on God. And Ruth here is, te- is learning to rely on God. But what about you this morning? Maybe you are searching. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you're searching for deliverance. Just as Boaz fulfills his promise of redemption to Ruth, there is a greater redeemer wanting to redeem and deliver 
you and me this morning. And I want us to see three stages. I, these points really aren't earth-shattering points that you're going to take away and say, wow, that changed my life. But these three points are really splitting up the story into three sections. And I think I'm really going to just try to tell the story today with, with as many details as possible. And then in the end, I want to compare it uh, uh, to what I think will be is the greatest story in all the world. And then I want that to kind of be our conclusion and then our application as well. So I hope you'll stick with me today in the story. Number one, if you're writing, we see Boaz's calculated preparation. Boaz's calculated preparation. The Bible says in verse 1, Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. Of course, Boaz now is leaving the field, the threshing floor, if you will. Uh, During this time, Ruth has gone back to Naomi and has told her everything that has happened. And while she's telling her, Boaz is preparing what he's going to say at the gate tomorrow. Now, what's interesting here, why would he go to the gate? Well, in those days, there was a huge wall around the cities. And it wasn't just a cinder block wall a few inches thick. It was thick enough to where there was rooms built into these walls. And this is where the military would stay. And this is where the archers would perch atop. And it was so wide, even chariots could go back and forth beside each other. It was very wide walls. And it was very formidable. And really, the only way to penetrate was the vulnerable place, and that was the gate. The gate was a place where people could get in and they could leave. And it was a place, because of that vulnerability, people would come and go on a daily basis. And that's where the rulers would a lot of times stay. And these little alcoves in the, in the, the hallway and the gate entrance is where the different merchants would go and have the little bazaars and tents. And people would come through and buy and sell and exchange. And after they would go through, some of them had legal or civil business to do. So instead of going to the town square, if you will, that we're maybe accustomed to with the courthouse, the court would be in the gates. In fact, in ancient Dan, they've recovered archaeological findings of platforms where this very thing was happening. And it reminds me of Proverbs in chapter 31, the Proverbs 31 woman in verse 23 says, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And Boaz was like this man. He was known in the gates. He had a stellar reputation. He had spotless character, only what God could see. But not only did he have an external character, he had an internal character, and people knew him in the gates. And the Bible says in verse number one, and behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by. So Boaz carefully prepared this. He goes to the gate early. He does not want to miss the nearer kinsman redeemer. He wants to get the settled today before the man leaves to go work in the field or to do business or to travel wherever he'd go. He wants to get this settled. So he goes there and he gets 10 leaders around him. If you will, these are city rulers. These are people in the court who can make a decision. They are people who are there, their accountability, and they can also have the power to make a law. And so he gathers them together and he calls to this near kinsman and he, he says in verse number one, behold, the kinsman came by and he said, ho, such a one. Hello. And then instead of just stopping there, he says, turn aside. Sit down here. I don't know about you, but whenever I leave in the morning, I'm usually trying to get somewhere on time, you know. Uh, A few minutes early, maybe, so I can prepare. 
I very rarely have, and, I, and some of you, maybe some of you, I, I was talking to someone earlier, you say, when you're retired, every day's a Saturday. One day that will happen. Praise the Lord. Okay. But usually when I go somewhere, it's because I need to get somewhere. And this man, no doubt, is trying to get somewhere. And Boaz says, hey, come here. Have you ever seen that person? You know if they catch you, it's 25, 30 minutes, you know. And perhaps maybe he's thinking that. i got to get going. i got to get somewhere. And he says, okay, I'll turn in. So he turns in, and he says, sit down. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? Can you sit down? No, I'll just stand. I don't have a few, just a few minutes. No, no, sit down. Get comfortable. And Boaz has a plan and a purpose, and I think this gentleman knew this was more than just a social call or a hello. Boaz needs to talk to me. And it shows uh, the respect people had of Boaz. It shows that when he spoke, when he was there, his very presence commanded attention. And it shows that not only was he a man of wealth, he was a man of character, and he was a man that typically when he spoke, he had a reason for it. And so this gentleman sits down. And the word behold there, Matthew Henry says, is similar to the word happened. That Ruth happened upon Boaz's field. And this word behold shows divine coincidence. This is designed by God. God's in this. May I just say today, as one uh, Matthew Henry said, I wonder how many times I have missed seeing such a designed divine coincidence at the very moment because I was not walking in the spirit but walking in sin. How we live our lives does matter. And it shows how God can use us. And we see Boaz there sits down with this gentleman and he's there and and the Bible says in verse number one, and he turned aside and sat down. Well, Here everything's starting to unfold. Boaz is come early to get a hold of this guy. He comes, he invites him to sit down, he sits down with them, and they're, they're getting ready for the conversation. I don't know if the guy realized it or not, but there's ten elders, ten rulers that are sitting there too. And this guy is maybe walking into something and doesn't even realize what he's walking into. He's kind of being hit from the side. He's getting maybe being caught off a little bit guard, off guard, and maybe Boaz thought this would happen. He's preparing this. And then verse number two, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit you down here. And they sat down. Boaz was a man on a mission. And obviously Naomi knew Boaz well when she said he will not rest until the thing is done. And so they sit down. He knows these elders will witness the conversation. He knows that they will keep from people going back on their word or are kind of skewing how the conversation really went. And he knows that they will help settle this matter permanently and justly. And it will be finished in one day's time. And so we see that careful preparation of Boaz to make this meeting happen. But then second of all, we see in verses 3 and 4 that Boaz's calculated presentation. So we see the preparation And not just a presentation, but it was a calculated one. It was one that was prepared, one that was just, just right. And it's kind of amazing and astounding what Boaz says and how he sets this up in verse number three. And he said unto the kinsman Naomi that has come again out of the country of Moab, still a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech. So he says, Naomi has come back from Moab. It's been 10 years She's got a parcel of land, which, by the way, this is the first time in Ruth it's mentioned that Naomi actually has some substance. 
up to this point, we're led to believe that she's only surviving by the handfuls of grain that Boaz gives her or that, 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 that Ruth can glean. And so really we didn't think she has anything, but she has a, a parcel of land. But it's been there for 10 years. And if you know anything about farming or gardening, trying to work the ground of something that's not been done, anything for 10 years, can be very challenging. You could have trees there. You could have uh, big weeds. You could have rocks. And it may not be very fertile. It needs, needs some time to really get worked and maybe a whole season of, of plowing for the rains to come and break it all up. And, and so Naomi and Ruth can't do that. They're, they're, no matter how they try, they just don't have the, the means to do it. Nor they have the money to pay for the debt that's been accrued by perhaps the taxes or whatever the case may be. And, 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 and this ground really is just sitting there. And so... Boaz tells this man that Elimelech, our brother, our relative, has ten or has a parcel of land that's Naomi's that she's ready to sell. And so we see in Leviticus 25, verse 24, and in all the land of your possession ye you shall grant a redemption for the land. So God has given these parcels of land to these tribes years ago in the, uh, on the covenant that was made there with Abraham and Moses. And, and these lands have all been split up here. And this has been given by God. And it says there, If thy brother be waxen poor, verse 25, and has sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. So under these circumstances... If someone has lost somebody and they can't pay for their land, they could sell it, but only sell it to one person. It had to be a kinsman. It had to be a family member. Why? Because this land could not be sold outside of the tribe. It had to stay with the tribe. And to prevent people from taking advantage of a situation, it had to be bought by someone who's a family member. Most of the time, family are more sympathetic than the normal person. They want to help. This is Naomi. Let's help her a little bit. And, and uh, we need to help the family. Remember Elimelech? Yeah, we need to help him. And so that's kind of where it's at. There shouldn't be a bidding war. There shouldn't be a distressed buying. There shouldn't be a short sell. Well, whatever, I just need it now. It needs to be the right person buying it so she's not taken advantage of. And the Bible says in verse 4, And I thought to advertise thee, saying, the word and is a time-sensitive word which symbolizes, as one commentator said, a calculated presentation. Uh, he is being cautious how he unravels all the details. Now keep in mind, his ultimate goal for Ruth is that she is taken care of. He promises her that he will, she will be protected, whether by himself, Boaz, or the near kinsman. Now Boaz has a deeper desire for this to go his way, but he's not letting his emotions get involved. He wants Ruth to be cared for. That's his overall goal. He doesn't need more property. Now, though he probably cares for Elimelech's name to continue to go on, he wants his property to be taken care of, he doesn't necessarily have the desire to get more property. He's wealthy enough. His underlying goal in helping is to help Ruth be protected, which we know he's starting to get feelings for. We see this morning that wise men are willing to wait. And may I say this morning, there is wisdom in waiting for the right opportunity. Proverbs 19.2 says, He that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Proverbs 21.5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteous. 
but everyone that is hasty only to want. How many of you wish sometimes you hadn't made such a hasty decision? You wish you would have thought through it a little bit more. Maybe you learned a lesson through it. And Boaz here is being a little slow in unveiling this, and he's, he's calculated, he's setting this all up, as we'll see in a little bit. He's trying to pull at the greedy heartstrings uh, and the passion of this man who just wants to add more to his portfolio. He doesn't care about Naomi, as we'll see in a little bit. He could care less about Ruth. He only wants to benefit himself. And here he gets, because he's the nearest kinsman, the opportunity to buy this land for a reduced rate. And so what happens? Well, we said, you see, he says, I thought to advertise to thee. In other words, he uncovered the man's ear. What does that mean? This man did not know that Naomi had this land to sell, number one. And number two, did not know that he was the nearest kinsman. And Boaz was being honest with him. Now, could have Boaz tried to sneak around and get it done without him knowing it? Possibly. But I think Boaz knew he wouldn't be able to sleep that night comfortably. I think he knew that he had to do it the right way. And by doing it the right way meant he had to trust God. He had not to lean onto his own understanding, but he had to lean on the ways of God and his will. And may I say today, in business dealings, sometimes it's tempting to, to, to be decept, deceive, uh, devious and, and to be manipulative. But may I encourage us to be honest and, tr- and truthful in our businesses, and I believe God will bless it. And so we see Numbers thirty-two twenty-three. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find it out. If nothing else, we need to do right, because God knows and God sees. And so we see the first section really is a careful preparation. Boaz sets this up perfectly. Second of all, we see that calculated presentation. He's presenting this just right. And then in verse number five, we see Boaz's closing plea. If you know anything about sales, you know there's a close. Perhaps you sold uh, real estate or you sold uh, lawn care or you sold cars or whatever. Uh, there's that time where you finally feel like, as a salesperson, you can just ask the question. Are you ready? Just sign, you know, are you ready? I, I've explained it all. And Boaz is in that final stage. He has baited this greedy kinsman a little bit. He's kind of got him to where he wants him. And the man says in verse number 4 of Ruth chapter 4, he said, I will redeem it. Can you imagine Boaz hearing that? Ah, man, I thought, I thought it was too good to be true. I'm going to trust God here, but this guy's going to take advantage of Ruth. He's going to cast Naomi to the side. He just wants this land. I don't need this land. I just want Ruth. I care about her. I care about Naomi. And it looks like the bad guy's going to win. And then we see the closing plea in verse 5. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? So Boaz says, Okay, the day you buy this land, there's something more that you don't know that you're buying right now. See, you thought you were buying Naomi, who is past her childbearing years. She's not going to live much longer. And you think you have this land free and clear. But there's something I failed to mention. By the way, you've already agreed to this. But I want you to know the closing terms. <laughs> I want you to know the fine print. You see, Boaz knows he has to do it this way. Because the Levite law said 
that the nearest kinsman did not have to make a decision. He could wait as long as he wanted to redeem the land. But Boaz doesn't want to wait forever. He needs this man to respond right away. And so he knows he has to get this man to make a decision because once he knows in front of witnesses, the man has to make a decision, which the man did. I want to buy it. So he gets him right where he wants him to be. And by committing to buy the land, he officially assumed the role of redeemer, not just for Naomi, but all her family, which is brilliant, by the way. So the Bible says in verse 5, Thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess. Isn't it interesting how he has called Ruth the Moabitess here? In other words, what he's saying is, you don't just get Naomi, you get Ruth. Ruth is not an elderly person, she's younger. And therefore, you're, you're getting another wife, too. And, uh, by the way, her offspring will be able to inherit this land back. In other words, you're not going to be able to keep this land. You're basically just helping them out so you can keep Elimelech's name going. Ooh, that changes things. So, we see in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, if... Brethren dwell together, and one of them die, and have no child. The wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. And her husband's brother shall go in unto her, and take her to him unto wife, and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed, and the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. So in other words, you now, the offspring you have from Ruth, is going to be able to get the inheritance of the land. And also, he's going to be able to get some of your inheritance. Let me try to explain it to you this way. Let's say my brother finds this old classic truck that has 10,000 miles on it. Pristine condition. You say, what kind of truck? You, whatever you dream up is fine. You know, This is a fictional illustration, but put it there in your mind. Or if it's a car, put a car in there. Okay? And what happens? I hear about it and say, oh, man, that's a great price. I mean, she just needs to sell it. She's widowed now, and she just wants to sell and get rid of it. And I say, man, I can't undercut my brother. I mean, he's too nice to me. But I hear somebody else wants this vehicle. And so I go to my brother and say, look, I'm going to give you first dibs for 24 hours. But once that 24 hours is up, I'm going to buy that car. And he says, okay. Well, I'll think about it. And then I said, by the way, there's one thing you didn't realize. If you get that car for, or that truck for a great deal, you've got to marry the widow. <laughs> oh. By the way, my wife's not in here, so I can use the illustration today. <laughs> Just teasing. It's fake. Wow, that changes things. I don't know if I want the truck that bad, you know. We'll just keep things how they are. Well, what happens? Boaz wants to marry Ruth. He loves her. He wants to care for her. That's his ultimate goal. He wants Naomi to be provided for. It's been shown time and time again. He cares about Elimelech's name continuing on. He wants that land as a farmer. I'm sure I know as a farmer, my dad being one too. There's nothing worse than land just being left alone that could produce. It's just part of a farmer. They want it growing. 
So he just wants to help. He wants to be a blessing. He wants to show love. And this nearer kinsman who said, I will redeem it, wants nothing more than the greediness of more land. I know you're sitting there right now saying, that dirty dog. I hope he doesn't win. Well, what happens? Look at verse number six. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. And now the true colors comes out. He doesn't want the land if it's not a cheap gain to him. If it's going to mar his inheritance, he wants nothing to do with it. Could you imagine being Boaz right then and hearing him say it? By the way, not just to him, in front of those ten rulers, those ten elders. Could you imagine those elders start writing this contract up? And they're saying, okay, this man said he won it. This man's backing out. Poaz says, I'll take in. We're going to sign this up. Ruth, the land, Naomi, is going to Boaz if you will buy it. Now the Bible says in verse 6, as the latter part, Redeem thou my right to myself, thyself, for I cannot redeem it. This man didn't want to jeopardize his family's inheritance. And this man's love for his own wealth definitely exceeded the love for Naomi's family. So he relinquishes. You can probably see parallels emerging of another redemption. You see, just like this greedy man, there was another person in our world today that wants nothing more from us than what we can offer them. In fact, this other person will use us and abuse us and will tangle and tempt and tantalize us and will keep chasing after things and will keep hurting us and keep reaping the benefits from us. He wants nothing to do with us. But there's another Redeemer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You see, wherefore is by one man sin enter the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short. Do you realize this morning that you and I are sold under the auction block of Satan? We have a penalty of sin on us. We can try to pay for it our own way. The Bible says... For by grace are you saved by faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And while we are under that auction block, Jesus Christ said, Hey, I'm willing to go to earth. I'm willing to go to a world that I created, that I don't even need anymore. I have all the universe. I'm going to go because I love them. I know they've sinned. I know they've done me wrong. I know they've blasted me from time to time. And I know they've looked down on me. And I know they've done disgusting things. But I'm willing to go into my own, even though the Bible says they received him not. 
The Bible says he was willing to go and to die on the cross and to be whipped and to be beaten and to be scourged and to be mocked and to be thrown vinegar into his face and, to, and his beard was plucked out and his, his cat of nine tails on his back and he was bleeding and he was nailed to a cross. Yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you understand this morning that you and I in our best state was still as filthy rags? In fact, when God looked down on our sin, he couldn't even look at us. He was so disgusted. The very world that he created as Noah's days, their, their, their thoughts were so evil and their imaginations was evil continually. And you and I, even at our best state, have missed the mark. We have no hope. But Jesus Christ was willing to leave the grandeurs of heaven to come down, to be born in a manger, live amongst us, and was willing to die and forgive our sins. He was willing to raise from the grave on the third day. Conquer death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says what the law could not do. In Romans 8, verse 3, in that it was weak through the flesh. Galatians three thirteen, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. You see, that nearer kinsman had the law on his side. And he could take advantage. But he did not want Ruth and Naomi. And the law can sure point out our sin, can it not? But aren't you thankful for grace? That Jesus was willing to redeem us from the curse of the law. In 1 Peter 1 verse 18, we see that Ruth in this story was the true treasure. I mean, I say the whole reason why Jesus Christ came for, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says, and we were the real treasure to Jesus. 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Aren't you thankful this morning, dear church? For God in heaven, who loved you and I so much that he was able to bring the, send the perfect sacrifice, his son, to die on a cross so that his blood could pay for our sins. And as we were on the auction block, and the auctioneer says, Anybody? The devil says, I got him. He's mine. Going once, going twice. And God says, I'll, I'll take you if you'll have me. And on the auction block of sin as a 10-year-old boy, I cried out to Jesus, I want you if you have me. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my way of thinking. I invite you into my life. And Jesus said, I'll take him. I'll pay for his sin. The devil thought he had us. He had me. But Jesus swooped in and with his blood purchased me. I know he's purchased many of you. But my question today is maybe you're sitting here Maybe you're newer to church. Maybe you're newer to the things of God and you're searching. May I encourage you that Jesus wants to do that for you and me and you as well. Do you believe that? Will you receive that? What a great love story here. Man, what a great story it would make. But may I say that same story is for you and me if we'll accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Maybe today you are wondering... And you're forgetting 
what God did for you. Don't ever forget what Christ did for you on the cross. And maybe you have a burden you're bearing or something difficult you're facing. May you give it to Jesus today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. And wow, what Jesus did for me on the cross. I, I would love to have that. I, I didn't know. I've been trying my best. I've been doing as good as I can, but it's not working. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want him to pay for my sin debt for me. I repent of my way of thinking, and I invite Jesus in my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I will not embarrass you. I won't point you out. I'll just acknowledge you and pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning if you'll let me. I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus today. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? Pastor Justin, I need you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Maybe there's someone else this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe in the balcony. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you raise your hand right now, or maybe in your heart, you raise your hand. May I encourage you to pray this prayer in your mind, in your heart this morning, toward God, not to me, to God. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to go there. I believe and trust in you and invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior, my Redeemer. Repent of my way of thinking and put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. How many would say, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer and I meant it. That's you, we slip up your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. By the way, we're rejoicing with you. Maybe you say, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I've kind of got so wrapped up in the things of this world and the things of life that I've forgotten how good God is. And I just want to publicly proclaim by uplifted hand that I'm thankful for what God done for me. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? God bless you all over. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I have a burden I'm bearing. I'm like Ruth. I'm in the waiting period. God's promise, like Boaz has, and maybe God's going to work for you right now. Maybe Jesus is interceding for you. Maybe it's all coming together. And you say, Pastor Justin, pray for me during this waiting time. Pray for this burden I'm carrying. Pray for this frustration I have. Pray for this thing I don't understand. Pray for this thing I'm wrestling through. Will you pray for me today? If that's you, please slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. I don't pretend to know everything about everyone. But I hope these people know I love them. And I want to come to you on their behalf. Or as you come to them on their behalf. And Lord, you know the heaviness in some people's hearts right now. You know what they're wrestling through. You know what they're dealing with. You know what they're carrying. And I pray you'll help them this morning. May they give it to you. And may you answer their prayer. Lord, in your timing, your way, of course, Lord, your will. But may you be with them. Lord, may they lean on you during this time. I pray you'll bless this invitation as people respond to what you would have us to do. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet this morning, the piano is going to play.
the altar's open. What we do here at our church is have an invitation time. The altar's open if you'd like to come forward. Maybe you'd like to make a decision. Maybe you raise your hand and say, you know what, I want to publicly show God that I mean it. I, I want to solidify with Him. Or maybe you'd like to follow it in baptism. We've, we've had several people baptized in the last few weeks. Maybe you'd like to uh, uh, join the church. We'd love to talk to you about that and get that settled. Maybe, maybe you'd like to just have one of our staff men pray with you. They'd be happy to. And uh, we're not anybody special, but we do believe in prayer. May I encourage you to spend some time with God this morning. Maybe you're there in your pew. That's okay. But pray for maybe someone near you. Maybe your family. Maybe something that the Lord did in your heart today as the piano plays this morning. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We have a quick video we want to share with you, and then we'll get you on your way today. We want to keep you up to date on some upcoming events, on ways you can get involved, and some things you can pray about this morning. service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 to hear another sermon from Pastor Justin. I Love My Church Sunday is next week. Every year we've been able to have a time for our church people to prayerfully consider what God would have them do and giving throughout the year for our family center. We are well on our way to getting that building going, but we need you get to get behind again this year. Maybe this is your first time to, to give, or maybe it's your second or third time. Thank you for your faithfulness in that area. We want to see God do something miraculous this year and investing in our church's next generation. We'll be having a special speaker here who God will use in a mighty way. You're going to enjoy him. Hope to see you there. There are several areas in our ministry where we could use volunteers. First impressions team, ushers team, bookstore team, janitorial team, grounds team, music team, and at Grandview Christian Academy, grading papers, reading groups, and in the lunchroom. If you would be interested in helping in any of these areas, please stop by the welcome desk to fill out a volunteer card today. Mark your calendars for church-wide outreach Saturday, February 17th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in the community. Early enrollment for the 2024-2025 Grandview Christian Academy school year begins this Thursday, February 15th for all current school families and church members. Beginning March 1st, open enrollment to the public will begin, so reserve your spot as soon as you can. If you are a church member and do not have your children in the school but would like to, or if you would like more information, please email academy at grandviewcares.com. 
Don't miss the next Ladies Service Ministry meeting on Wednesday, February 21st from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Forest Creek Park Lodge. There will be a potluck lunch, so bring a dish to share. We'll have a short devotion as well as a drawing for door prizes. Come join us as we work together to equip, encourage, and extend the work of Randy. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know God loves you and this pastor loves you. I hope you have a great week and uh, you are dismissed. Thank you.